We made it. The first football Friday of the season. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gershman joins me. We go into preview mode. Our thoughts on what to expect week one against the Commanders. Also, we head to Washington, enemy territory, and visit with Zach Selby, senior writer for Commanders.com. Football is back. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 670, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So here we are. We have finally made it. Week one is upon us. And yes, there is a lot of excitement, though I'm not exactly sure we got that from the head coach on Friday, Zach, because two days before game day, he still seems like he's in that, I don't know, if the zone, if you will, because I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you credit. You try to get him, as did others, because it's always been since he was hired back in February, your first time doing this and the excitement and what does this mean and you've worked so long to get to this point and you asked, I thought, a very reasonable question about before kickoff. You walk out on a football field. Do you just stop and take in the moments to realize where you are? And his response was, "Nope." yeah, no, just going to win a football game. And that was the end of it. And I just wonder if that's just how he's wired or if, when we get to that point on Sunday, right before kickoff, there is that little brief moment that he is able to take a deep breath just for himself. Do you think if Washington knows he's going to take a moment to himself, that's a competitive advantage? <laughs> because, I mean, I'm going to even take a moment when I see the the TV theme song playing and we're going to be ready to go. I'm going to be like, all right, we're, we're getting ready to go. It's week one, game one, we're ready to go. Um, it did not seem like JG was going to be you know, giving away any secrets as to how he's personally feeling. But, I mean, I, I we talk a lot about how there are a lot of firsts. But because of it being his position, being the head coach, I think for him, he's always just looked at football as being football, and now he's just in a different role within football. But he's experienced a lot of Week 1 games. He's taken, I'm sure, a lot of moments to himself, unless he's just – you know, tunnel vision onto the game. I don't know. And maybe it's because it's on the road. Does it change next week in the home opener against the Giants? Who knows? But it was just just kind of matter of fact. Nope, just trying to win a ball game. Okay, well, let's move on to the next topic here. For, for JG being such an emotional guy, I was expecting some like, yeah, I'm going to walk out there. I'm going to look into the stands, have like one of those deep breath moments. But no, 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 Zach, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> try again, young man. All right, let's try to change different topics. As expected, despite the news earlier in the week, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, the report that the Cardinals are expected to start Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. The question was asked again to JG. Got a quarterback? And the response was, same plan, guys. So we're not going to know. We're not going to hear from the head coach about the decision until post-game, but it's, again, widely anticipated, expected that Dobbs will be the guy 
on Sunday. And even in the locker room, Dobbs and Clayton Toon both spoke about how that's a JG question. They're passing it off to the head coach who is not giving away any sort of secrets. And there's some sort of gamesmanship because the Washington commanders also aren't giving away many of their secrets as to the status of Chase Young, if Chase Young's going to play. Obviously, Terry McLaurin was elevated and upgraded to a full participant in practice on Thursday. So there is some sort of cat and mouse when it comes down to this, but we expect, and I'm 99% sure that Josh Dobbs is going to be the one leading out the offense. And a little bit later on, I had a chance, and you'll hear this conversation with Zach Selby, senior writer, commanders.com, and we had that conversation about what are the commanders doing as far as preparing for both quarterbacks. So that's a little bit later on here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But a couple of other items to get to as far as what to expect on Sunday, and one is tight end Zach Ertz. Does he make his debut along with everyone else on Sunday? He's been a limited participant in practice this week, and my guess is that it will be a game day decision. How does that knee handle the week of practice, the flights, and then how does he feel perhaps Sunday morning? But I would lean more towards we see Zach Ertz playing this week because it's been a while since we've seen him on the football field. Now, he might be on a little bit of a pitch count against the Commanders, but I anticipate Zach Ertz playing. I I do as well, and during the open portions of practice that we've been able to see, he has been a fully active participant. I know on the injury report it's labeled as listed, as is labeled as limited. But through the portions that we've been able to see through the open portions of practice, he's been a full go participant, and mostly it's been individualized route running drills. But he seems to be moving quite well once he's getting off the line of scrimmage. Um, the coaching staff, though, has said that they're going to slow play it with him. They're going to ease him into the offense, similarly to how they're going to do it with Kyler Murray once he's going to be taken off the pup, if he's going to be taken off the pup, that is. But it, it, I do think that Zach Ertz does want to get out there, but he also said that this is year 11 for him. He's got to be careful with his body, um, making sure that that knee feels good and feels healthy is one part of it. The mental side of it is a completely different side of the game. But, Craig, what do you when you say pitch count, are you just thinking he's going to be out there for an X amount of snaps in total or – do we expect to just see him throughout the game in just a limited capacity? My guess is if you keep Ertz, McBride, Jeff Swaim as far as three healthy available not okay, not I don't want to use the word healthy, but three available tight ends mm-hmm. to where you could have a nice rotation. And then I think also game will dictate are you able to control the clock? Are you able to run the football, utilize more tight end, two tight end sets, or are you trailing by a couple of scores late in the game and all of a sudden you need to spread it out a little bit? So I think that will determine it. But I do think that there will be, at least initially, you know, maybe he is a part of the offense all four quarters, but you're limiting him as far as how many times you see him on the field during a given drive or a quarter. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that um, for for an offense that has, that has said that they're going to use their tight ends a lot, having that rotation of, The three of them, plus Elijah Higgins, who they picked up off the waiver wire, being that fourth, they don't need to put him out onto the field every single play. So once again, Drew Petzing talked about easing him into the offense and making sure that when he is ready to go, he'll be ready to go. But I do think that we'll see him on the field 
on Sunday. And remember, just some background, it was week 10 last season when Ertz suffered that torn ACL and MCL and underwent surgery on November 18th. So we are just about 10 months to the day as far as his making a full recovery, at least being back on a football field. So that's something to pay attention to. And then maybe a little bit more, I wouldn't say a concern, but potentially a concern long-term, depending on the health and status of Kelvin Beecham, who, according to Jonathan Gannon, banged his hand this week in practice, was not a participant on the football field on Thursday. And now, all of a sudden, this opens up a door for someone brand new to the Arizona Cardinals because if you do not have Beecham available and that leaves your swing tackle a big question mark because without Beecham healthy, if he's unable to go, there are no other offensive linemen on the active roster who were with the team during training camp and the offseason. The four remaining offensive linemen all claimed off waivers. And there and there's also guys that they could potentially bring up from the practice squad like a Jackson Barton um, a Hayden Howerton that they could elevate to um, one of the 53-man spots for that game against Washington. But they did bring in four of their seven total players that they picked up off the waiver wire were offensive linemen. And Jonathan Gannon spoke about how, and I put it in my article on azcardinals.com about Kayvon Wallace, Starling Thomas, and the other players that were picked up from the waiver wire. JG said you got to be ready to go. And he's comfortable with them if if they need to be out on the field, but you got rid of Josh Jones. You sent him over to Houston. Kelvin Beecham beat him out for that swing tackle spot. Now Kelvin Beecham could potentially be on the shelf. Who knows for how long, if he does play. I think to I think on Friday, his practice status, where they put him on the injury report, will be indicative of if we will see him on the field, but it could potentially be a big blow to the Arizona Cardinals if they're not able to have Kelvin Beecham, who played in all 17 games last year. The other name on the practice squad, Marquise Hayes, I could very well see you get two elevations from the practice squad. I could very well see both elevations being an offensive lineman. Howerton is a center right now. Are you comfortable with Tristan Colon as your backup center, even though he just arrived? I'll say this. The four offensive linemen that were claimed, Colon, Keith Ishmael, El Manning, and Carter O'Donnell, all with pretty good experience except for Manning, who was signed by the 49ers after a tryout, and the Cardinals claimed him following roster cuts. But Cologne, Ishmael, and O'Donnell, they've all been in the league. Be a great story if Keith Ishmael gets an opportunity to play on Sunday because he spent two seasons with the Commanders in 2020 and 2021, and that included five starts in 21. But those players mainly are interior offensive lineman not so much a tackle so very curious on how the Cardinals deal with Beecham's injury as far as needing that swing tackle potentially this week and if it is a long-term injury and I know that the Cardinals didn't draft Il Manning but they were they did speak very highly of him and after the announcement was made that the team brought him in and JG said that they thought very highly of him during the draft process and now uh, everything worked out where he's now a member of the Arizona Cardinals. As a rookie, though, you gotta you you don't he doesn't have as much experience against an NFL pass rush, especially if you're gonna compare it to the pass rush that the Washington Commanders are gonna bring on Sunday. He's gonna have his work cut out for him for the rookie if he does get out on that field. Manning played left tackle at 
uh, at, at Hawaii. Hawaii. So that is something to pay attention to. And he was uh, someone that maybe is the option for the Cardinals as far as a swing tackle is concerned. But the he has no NFL experience compared to the others uh, that were claimed. Now, as far as the other three players that were claimed, I do think you're going to see, and that is the familiarity with Wallace with this coaching staff because Kayvon was with the Philadelphia Eagles. So if you're looking for one of those seven players, and seven is a lot, mm-hmm. seven claimed players that are just now brand new to the team, i.e. like Joshua Dobbs, but if that familiarity with what the defense looks like with a different play caller and maybe a little bit different of a scheme, I could certainly see Wallace being a factor maybe even as early as Sunday. Yeah, definitely. And I, I know he wants to be out on that field. When I was talking with him in the locker room, he was you could sense the excitement from him, this fresh start, this new opportunity. When he was out in Philadelphia, I remember being – Obviously, I'm from Philadelphia, so I remember hearing from the local media how excited they were for this stud coming out of Clemson, how they were so ready for him to go, and he did well. He had he had uh, sparks here and there, but he was mostly used on the special team side of the ball, and that's really where he made a name for himself. Everyone expected him to go down on punt returns, kick returns, and go make those tackles, um, just making his name put out there all the different times and all the different ways. And I remember for the Super Bowl vividly seeing him run down at the end of a kickoff return and just pumping up the crowd and how excited he was about it. And to see him come over here, and when I spoke to him, he spoke about the excitement from when Nick Rollis called him. He said, hold up, wait a minute, this is a 602 area code. He's worked out here in Scottsdale for a handful of years, ever since he's been in the league. He knew the area code was coming from Arizona. He picks up, who is this? Nick's like, you know who it is already. Let's get ready to roll. And Kayvon spoke about how excited he is. He does have familiarity. The terminology is a little bit different from his time out in Philadelphia, but Football is football, as he said to me, and, and he's ready to go. Former fourth-round draft pick, three seasons, all with the Eagles, and the third safety on the active roster. So there is a role for him immediately. I don't expect Buda Baker to come off the field or Jalen Thompson to come off the field. So do we see three safeties in that secondary or knock on wood should something happen? All of a sudden, you do have Wallace out there. And you definitely – he is a great backup to have if – anything were to happen, knock on wood. But I I think what he brings to the table is he, he could play that deep center field safety role that Isaiah Simmons was slated to play when he was on the team. So there are schemes in the defense that are, are open to having three safeties back there. He is able to get out there. He did play a little bit of man when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles, but the, the depth that the birds had over there in Philadelphia, there wasn't as many opportunities for him to get out onto the field. He, he, he's ready, though. Craig, I, I, I've spoken to a handful of different players. He's one of those players that you truly felt the excitement and the energy coming off of being ready to go with this fresh opportunity. One of the 27 new players on this 53-man roster. Again, Cardinals at the Commanders on Sunday. 10 a.m. is the kickoff. That means 5.30 the pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. As I mentioned earlier this week, I had the chance to speak with Zach Selby, senior writer, commanders.com. Our conversation began with the excitement coming out of our nation's capital. New owner, the game is sold out. So what exactly are the Cardinals walking into on Sunday? Well, they are going to be walking into a stadium that will be full of Commanders fans, which 
Uh, honestly, it hasn't really happened that often. But we've we've had sold out crowds in the time that I've been here, but we haven't had a sold out crowd to this extent where it's going to be mostly uh, Commanders fans. And I think that's gonna, that's going to be a really cool experience for our fans uh, to see you know how exciting this new era of the team is with Josh Harris and his limited partners coming in and, and, and taking over the franchise. Uh, I mean, the vibes are really hot with this team. They higher than I've ever experienced in my four years in this, uh, you know, with this team. It's, it's it's been really cool to see just how much the fans have been coming back in, in droves, honestly. I mean, there was, you know, about 10,000 fans here for back the other Saturday during training camp. And, I mean, compared to what it's been in the past, I mean, you just didn't see those numbers like last year at training camp. And, this, I mean, you, the signs are all around us about how excited and how – and, and anxious this, this franchise is, how anxious this fan base is to getting back to some football. And I, I expect the players to be hyped up, honestly. I expect the players to be really energetic about getting this season started because it, it honestly feels to me like we've been talking about the week one opener for like forever now. So for it finally to be here is just, it's a really cool prospect. Ownership that topic certainly dominated a lot of the offseason but let's focus now on some football and some newness surrounding the team and we will look at the commanders on offense new offensive coordinator new play caller new quarterback but when you talk about Eric Bieniemy coming in and being that offensive mind the expectation that you've seen and what this offense may look like may be similar to different versus last season well I think it's definitely going to be different and I think the big the biggest thing I've noticed is that the pace is going to be significantly increased I mean this so last year this team was first in time of possession last year but 24th in points per game but that's just that's just not going to cut I, I don't I don't expect to see that combination this year because this team has been doing a it, like they've gotten just about every ounce of of practice time they possibly can in each day during training camp. Um, and they worked pretty much the entire two, two and a half hours they were out there each day. And they were running, I mean, a, about a third more plays, you know, for each period than they were last year. And I think that's really <clears throat> encouraging to see because last year, especially I guess in the second half of the year, they just kind of got into this, the, the habit of plotting through games with their, just, with their run game and, uh, I think this year it's going to be a lot more efficient. I think you're going to see a little more of a pass emphasis on the passing game. Uh, I think that's going to, you're going to see a lot of that. I think I think a lot of that is going to rest on Sam Howell. I think Sam has really improved uh, his footwork. He's improved his ball placement. He's a really he's really a lot more calm as a passer than than pe- I think people think that he is. And then Bienemy, I know it's just the preseason, but I think the the three games that he has called, um, you know, and during the preseason were very well done. And you saw you saw players getting schemed open in the passing game. That's something that you know you didn't really see that much of last year. And I think with all these weapons that, that, that Washington has, because uh, I really do think this is the best roster that Ron Rivera has had his entire four years here. I think you're going to see an offense that is not going to be a complete turnaround from 2022. That's that's almost impossible, but a noticeable turnaround. I think that is very realistic. One of those weapons that you talk about, Terry McLaurin, who has been very very good over the past several seasons, three straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons, but his health. I know I was among many people that watched that preseason game against the Ravens. By the way, congratulations on ending that preseason (laughs) consecutive winning streak. But he hurt his toe that game. How has he looked in practice this week? 
You know, so he's looked he's looked fine, honestly. And I think he's looked confident. I think he looks really good pushing off that toe. And that was one of the big like big points of emphasis for him this uh, during during this week is to see how he's pushing off that turf toe. And I mean, he he looks he looks like strong and confident doing it. Um, you know, he had a he had a script of plays that the coaching staff uh, wanted to put him through, and he did all of that, um, exceeded their expectations all the way. And then Rivera even talked about on Wednesday about how you could probably see his script of plays probably increase on Thursday and Friday. So I I think he's I think he's going to I, if I had to guess, you know, on on you know on Thursday, I, I would say that he's trending towards playing. Um, and if they if, if he's out there, I think you know. The, the commanders have a you know one of a one of, one of the best receiving weapons in the league right now because of the way he runs routes because of the way he's able to catch contested passes and just how good of a chemistry he's been able to develop with Sam Howell and you mentioned his 3,000 yard receiving receiving season I mean he he could be on pace to do that for a fourth time and if he does that he'll be the first player in franchise history to have four straight uh, consecutive 1,000 yard seasons and I think with the way that the enemy is using his his ability his ability to get open and shorter and intermediate routes, I think you could see him kind of get some more yak and start making some more dynamic plays up there that he has, you haven't always necessarily seen out of Terry uh, in the first you know, three or four years. You bring up the chemistry between quarterback and wide receiver. This stat I find fascinating that Howell is the 10th different quarterback that McLaurin has played with over his yeah. first four seasons. And if it was going to be Jacoby Brissett, now all of a sudden you're talking about 11 different quarterbacks. But that that's amazing. That almost brings up, for Cardinal fans, what Larry Fitzgerald had to deal with for a period of time during his long tenure with the Arizona Cardinals. But you talk about that maybe there's something that's found that maybe can be extended that maybe a long term between quarterback and wide receiver here yeah i mean i really do think that that sam is going to be the long-term option because he's honestly he's probably one of the the calmer quarterbacks and with the most poise that mclaurin has played with and we and like you said in the 10 quarterbacks that he's worked with and i think something that i've really appreciated about sam is that he's not afraid to go to throw the ball down the field. Now, when I when I say that, I know that there's, there's been quarterbacks that have been here in the past that have had strong arms that can sling it, you know, 40, 50 yards downfield. Um, you know, Carson Wentz was was one of those people who had the ability to do so. Uh, when Haskins was another player who had the ability to do so, but you never really saw m- much of that for one reason or another. I think now you're seeing a Sam Howell who is basically saying, you know what? I trust my guys. I'm going to go down. I'm just going to give him a chance and see what he does. And why not do that? Why not do that with one of the players who has been, you know, the leaders in contested catches pretty much since he was drafted. And you have a guy, you also have a guy in Deami Brown who is really good at that as well. He's Sam is not afraid to let his players do what they do best. And that's, not also you see from from young quarterbacks. At least you don't really see it as much, you know, as they're as they're developing their uh, their skill set. But I think he already has that, and that's what gives me such confidence about this offense. Is that it's like I said, it's not going to be completely different. It's not going to be, you know, they're not going to be a top ten. Not going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. That would just be would be crazy. Um, but I do think you're going to see an offense that is definitely more proficient and going to be able to get more explosive plays downfield because of that relationship between Terry and Sam. 
One more question about the offense here as we talk with Zach Selby, senior writer, commanders.com, ahead of the Cardinals and Commanders week one on Sunday. 10 a.m. is the kickoff Arizona time. 5.30 pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. The line of scrimmage, the commander's offensive line returns just one starter, and that's left tackle Charles Leno. But you look at the Cardinals and their front seven, and specifically the pass rush, a lot of unknown what has been the talk as far as the offensive players, the offensive line, when looking at the Cardinals' pass rush and really no major name but just a rotation of probably five or even six outside linebackers coming at Sam Howell and company? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of you, – you, you said it. I mean, the Cardinals don't necessarily have that, like, that, that name that pops out to you, you know, on, on their pass rush or in the, even in their front seven, but – they do have a bunch of really talented playmakers that that can hurt you. I mean, if you give them the chance, they will they will cause problems for you. And I think it's going to be a very interesting challenge for this for this offensive line as they go through, go into the Cardinals because I mean this is a group like you said that's largely unproven together. And I mean you've got you know you've got a new center, you've got a competition at left guard which seems to be Sadiq Charles. Um, you've got Sam Cosme who was right tackle last year, he moved over to to right guard, and even Andrew Wiley who comes you know, to the team from Kansas City with the enemy. And, you know, I know that there's been a lot of questions about what this offensive line can do. I mean, they were one of the top leaders in sacks allowed last year. I mean, their 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 pass block win rate has not been the best. I think they're in I think they were in the bottom third of the league last year. Um, but I I would I would say this. I would say that their chemistry over the last few weeks has gotten much better. And I think that's really what you – that's a really important asset when you're looking at offensive line play is how well can these guys work together because that really can turn a group that is maybe below average or playing a little bit above their skis and turning them into something that's a little bit more average. And I think you see – and I've been saying this a lot – I think you really see that in the relationship between Sam Cosby and Andrew Wiley. They pass off blitz and stunts as as good as anyone else on that commander's offensive line right now, and it looks really clean doing it. That can always that can be a little that can be a little bit of a problem sometimes, especially with guys who haven't really worked together that much. But they have really gelled, and it seems like they're always talking on the sideline, trying to work on their their techniques together. Um, and I think by the end of the season, we'll 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 see an offensive line that probably isn't as bad as people think that they're going to be. Um, but then for this first week, I think this is going to be a challenge for this commander's offensive line to see what they can do against a, a group that maybe, like I said, like I said, doesn't have necessarily have like a top ten pass rusher, but they have a lot of really just solid guys who can who can get after you if they get the chance. All right, I've waited long enough as we talk about what has been the main topic here in Arizona, the quarterback situation. Is it going to be Joshua Dobbs? Is it going to be the rookie Clayton Tune? Reports earlier in the week that the Cardinals are expected to start Dobbs. That's been my anticipation. A lot of people believe that's the case. Before we talked here, you mentioned that Jack Del Rio, defensive coordinator, addressed the media there in Washington. Who is he preparing to face on Sunday at quarterback? Honestly, that's probably been one of the most fascinating things about this entire week is just seeing who the Cardinals are going to start at quarterback. But uh, Del Rio, that was one of the first things that Del Rio was asked today. And he said we prepare for both because we don't know which ones are going to be out there because they do present you know some some different problems, right? I mean, you know, you look at you look at Josh Dobbs and he's got has been a career backup and he only got his first start last year with the Tennessee Titans. And if you look, but if you look at that last game 
against the Jacksonville Jaguars where the Titans had a chance to win the AFC South over the Jaguars. He did enough to win that game. He did not put them in difficult situations. And if it weren't for a um, a fumble that might have been an incomplete pass, might not have been, that was returned for a touchdown, the Titans might have ended up winning that game. Um, so just think about that. And also Josh Dobbs. I know he has some familiarity with that system, you know, because he was working with uh, the the Cardinals offensive coordinator in Cleveland. Um, but he's a guy who can come in and not really have a whole lot of like need a whole lot of runway to get himself going. He showed that last year in Tennessee. I think he can do that again this year. And if you look at Clayton Toon, I mean, he he's you know I know he still has some things he needs to work on. You know, they ran no huddle in Houston, so that's kind of a bigger been a bigger issue for him. But um, you know, he he showed the ability to – I think he had 40 touchdowns in, like, his last year at Houston. Um, so he definitely has, like, the talent to be a, a good pro at some point in his career. I just don't think he's very ready yet. But either way, if they whether they put him out there or not, I mean, they, who knows? I mean, who knows what will happen? I think they're preparing it for, for both players. They're going to look back at, you know, what each player has done in the past or in college or in the pros and – kind of go from there but they're ready for just about anything I think regardless of who the quarterback is and again I fully expect it to be Dobbs that commander's defense and specifically the front four Allen Haynes Sweat and maybe even a Chase Young even though he might not be a hundred percent but that front four might be one of the better front four fronts in all of the NFL and they're been together for a long period of time. How much has that played into their success over the years that now this is, what, year three or year four that they've all been together? Oh, yeah, it's, it's year four on a working – well, I guess, yeah, working all together in Jack Del Rio's system, and I think that plays a massive role um, because you can you can definitely see the growth that they've all experienced together because, remember, this, these are four first-round picks, and if you put one of those guys in any other front four in the league, they're the alpha dogs. So you have four alpha dogs. They're all trying to learn how to work off each other. And there had been some growing pains that, through through that whole experience. Like you saw in the year two of Jack Del Rio's system, there was a lot of freelancing going on between, you know, some, certain players. And they weren't early understanding rush assignments very well. I think you saw that in week two of 2021 against the Buffalo Bills, where uh, Josh Allen basically was able to duck, duck by all these guys and just make a player rush downfield because they weren't hitting their assignments properly. Now you're seeing that. You're seeing them stay their lanes and contain quarterbacks, and that allows them to exercise their talents a lot more. I mean, Jonathan Allen has been one of the best uh, defensive tackles in the league over the last two years because of, because of how disciplined he is and how when, he, when he's on his lane, he has this hump move that is one of the best in the league, and he's able to crash the pocket. And then when you have when you crash the pocket, you have Montez Sweat, who's a really good power rusher, able to come in and finish it up or clean it up. And then you have Chase Young, who's kind of, which is weird to say, he's kind of a bit of an, a bit of an X factor right now because we don't know exactly what he's going to be. Um, you know, and by the way, he looks like he's trending towards playing as well. He said he's ready to go straight up. They're just waiting on a, a doctor's appointment um, that he will have over Zoom sometime this week um, just to get some final approvals. But he's been playing well. Um, you know, I think they're still that once they get the approval for the contact, I think that you're going to get to see him a little bit more unleashed. And remember, this even the line was good without Chase Young for the most of last year anyway. So if you add him and you have a motivated Chase Young who did not get his contract, you know, his fifth year option exercise uh, this year, you have a guy like that. I think you're going to see a defensive line that could that could be 
better than much much better than it was last year, which is a scary prospect to think of. Because of that defensive line is so good and so successful, going younger a little bit in that secondary with the first round draft pick and a second round draft pick in Forbes and Martin respectively, was that maybe or was it just a position of need when you look at what the commanders needed in the secondary? Yeah, you know, if you look at that secondary, it's it's an interesting group because, like you said, they are all young. I mean, Kendall Fuller is a clear veteran of that group, but they're all very talented. And by now, even though they're young, they've they've had a lot of playing time together because they've also been working in in the fourth year of Jack Del Rio's system. And I I would honestly say that aside from the defensive line, which has nine players on in, in that group, I would say the secondary is one of the deepest positions on the entire roster. Because you've got a guy like Benjamin St. Juice who's playing the slot, has some experience working against number one receivers last year, and proved he could hold his own because of his size and his quickness, which is why they think he's going to be able to work really well in the slot. And then you've got like a guy like Emmanuel Forbes who is, I mean, he's you can you can see how small he is on the field. Like it's very very apparent just how small how much smaller he is compared to the other players on, um, on the field. But he does not play like he is. He does not play to his size. He plays like he's a much bigger, more physical defensive back. And you saw that a lot in the preseason with a couple of tackles for loss against the Browns and the Ravens. You know, one of them was a goal line stand. So you you see that he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and make and make plays if he has to. Uh, and plus, on top of that, he's a he's a ball hawk with you know breaking FBS records. And then you've got players like Derek Forrest and Jeremy Reeves and, and Cam Curl, one of the most versatile players on the secondary, being able to play multiple different positions. I think because, yes, they're young, but they're also, they've also got the versatility and the experience where you really don't look too much at their age and more of like, okay, they've been, they've been working together for a long time. They can handle their business. Zach, great stuff. Appreciate a couple of minutes. In fact, uh, more than a couple of minutes here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But good information. Looking forward to week one. Looking forward to the start of the regular season. And uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, either on social media or online, if they want more information on this matchup on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can find me on Twitter slash X, whatever it's called these days, at ZachSelbyWC. Um, you can find me on Commanders.com where I put out, you know, two or three stories a day. We're going to have our tra- our practice notes uh, come out every day around 3 or 4 Eastern time just to provide some updates on the team ahead of the, the roster or ahead of the uh, the matchup. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting game um, and a lot of a lot of headlines around the matchup. And I, I can't wait to see enough. It feels like we've been waiting for – for, for years for this for this game. But, yeah, it's finally here, and I can't wait. Appreciate it again, Zach. And uh, I'm not traveling, but uh, I wish you well after Sunday for the rest of this season. Absolutely. You as well. Appreciate Zach joining us. And uh, from one Zach to another, we Zach back. Gershman back here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. First things first, though, the latest weather forecast for Sunday, which I know was a topic of conversation earlier in the week, by two individuals, Danny mm-hmm. Sarek and Paul Calvisi, because they will be on the sidelines during pregame and the game itself. But some good news. Partly cloudy, a high of 84 in the early afternoon, chance of showers in the evening, likely after the game ends. So all good weather-wise. I know it's going to be sunny here in Arizona. That's true. So <laughs> I'm not, you and I aren't going, so that's <laughs> so I'm okay. Not too, I'm not going to... Listen, I, I think it's going to be interesting, though, if there is rain during the game, although it's not expected to be the case. It will be very interesting because this team has not practiced in any sort of 
wet weather so far. There have not been any rain practices that they've had to take part in. That is a challenge when you right away go in and your first game, you're dealt with the weather conditions that you have not practiced for. Those wet ball drills are serious drills that the team really has not had the opportunity to take part in or has needed to take part in. So if that were to be the case, I do I, I will feel bad for, for Danny and Paul, that's for sure. Um, not too bad because we'll be here in the sun. <laughs> but and, and you can't be too upset about it when you're out here in the sun. But it will be an interesting element to consider. I want to pick up on something that uh, Zach Selby mentioned was the commander's offense, new play caller, and Eric Bieniemy and a new quarterback, Sam Howell, has only got one start under his belt. But something that Zach mentioned was playing with a quicker pace, a quicker tempo, and how much, because the Cardinals would like to play at that kind of pace as well, but how quickly are the commanders able to get on the ball after a play? Because if you don't substitute, if the offense doesn't substitute, then the defense, you can if you want, but it's at your own risk because if you don't get off the field or 11 guys on the field, now all of a sudden there goes a penalty, flag goes up in the air, and you run the risk of having too many men on the field. So the rotation are you able to have that defensive rotation that I think Nick Rollis wants to have on the defensive line and especially at outside linebacker? And those haven't been the penalties that have haunted the Cardinals during the preseason. Fortunately, I don't believe there was any 11 or 12 men on the field penalties that were called or 10 men on the field penalties that were called um, during the preseason because it seems like that discipline and that rotation is there. When it comes down to it, though, this is a team that's going to be the out of the three that they've played so far, one of the quicker teams with the wide receivers. You have Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, you have Jahan Dotson, you have Curtis Samuel. Those are three speedy, fast wide receivers that are going to get back to the line of scrimmage and they're going to be ready to go. I think an element that's not being talked about enough, and I guess it's not being talked about enough because it just hit me, Craig, as you were <laughs> brought, as you brought up Eric Bieniemy. Jonathan Gannon played against the NFC East a handful of times. Yes, we know that when he was with Philadelphia. But the offensive coordinator for Kansas City Chiefs in that Super Bowl game that Jonathan Gannon coached against was Eric Bieniemy. So he's going into that knowing the type of style that Eric Bieniemy brings. It's a different Washington team. Every year is different. But the offensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon has experience coaching against. True, you so you know what kind of personnel that Bienemy likes, but we really don't know what kind of a play caller mm-hmm. Bienemy is because Andy Reid is the one who's calling the plays, as he did Thursday night in the opener, and a great job by the Detroit Lions to kind of ruin that Super Bowl celebration that the Chiefs were holding at Arrowhead Stadium on the first game of the regular season. But that's that's another wrinkle to this because you think you know, but do you really? And then you look at how well Sam Howell played in those final game week 18 a year ago against the Cowboys but it was week 18 how much did the mm-hmm. Cowboys really care and then what do you really show in the preseason I did watch Commanders and Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football and the win by the Commanders to end the Baltimore what was it 24, 24 game game winning streak in the preseason and I came away impressed by how former fifth round draft pick he did have time in the pocket and when he struggled he bounced right back showed that resiliency and was able to rebound and perform and move the play or move the offense up and down the field. So curious about what the commanders have at quarterback, curious about what the Cardinals have at quarterback. But to me, Zach, this all comes down to the line of scrimmage and whose offensive line is able to better protect the quarterback because as much as the Cardinals have questions along the front 
seven. We know what the Commanders can do along that defensive line with those four first-round draft picks. As I joked earlier in the week, it's the law firm of Allen, Payne, <laughs> Sweat, and Young, and they are very, very good. I feel like you got to put Payne at the end of that just for the simple <laughs> fact of a law firm name. You want to bring that Payne. No, I, I think that I, I, obviously this is an offensive line as well for the Arizona Cardinals that has not had much experience playing together, especially in the game. We did see it against the Kansas City Chiefs for that first drive until DJ Humphrey stepped out. It's that that's important. That chemistry along the line. And I was when I was on Cardinals underground. I was on Cardinals underground with uh, with Paul and Darren. We spoke about how what I was looking forward to most for this, and it was going to be the relationship between Yelda Froholt and whoever that whoever was going to be at quarterback. If it is Josh Dobbs, they do have some familiarity with one another, but. That the chemistry amongst the entire line, especially when you have a pass rush like the law firm that you mentioned, they're going to be ready to go, and the the Cardinals know what they're here to expect from the team. And then on the flip side, as far as another question mark or something to pay attention to, as you brought it up already, as far as just those three receivers of the commanders going up against a very young secondary for the Cardinals, yeah, Marco Wilson is the veteran, but... He hasn't been here that long. Keytrell Clark making his debut in the NFL. Christian Matthew, yeah, he played late last season, hasn't played a lot. Antonio Hamilton is your one veteran in that room. There are some others, but as far as their two deep is concerned, those are your top four cornerbacks, at least what we've seen in training camp in the preseason. So how do those cornerbacks handle uh, Terry McLaurin, who I expect to be 100%. Mm-hmm. He was upgraded, as you alluded to, to a full participant in practice on Thursday, practice fully on Friday. So that is something to consider. And then Dotson, who a year ago, maybe a little bit under the radar, but he finished tied for the league lead as far as, or the team lead, as far as number of touchdown receptions was seven. So that's something you also have to keep an eye on as well. I'll say I spoke with Jahan at the uh, when I was at Penn State this past weekend. He was I out there. He opened up the freaking door again. That's mm-hmm. like two weeks in a row. Come on, Craig. You, you should expect it. But yeah, I, I promise it's relevant to the conversation. <laughs> I was talking with Jahan a little bit. Uh, he was there with Jesse Lucetta and a bunch of the other guys. Micah Parsons was there. Saquon Barkley was there, which is funny because Jesse's going to be playing all three so, of them so over the next week. So this is what week. we've discovered. So I can already assume we'll talk about Saquon Barkley next week Come and then on. Micah Parsons the following well, week. Well, we'll definitely have to talk about yeah, Micah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to talk about both of them regardless <laughs> in these next couple of weeks. When does this Penn State run in? Let's see. Um, the 49ers, do they have anyone? Yeah, Jair Brown. Okay, all right. Go on, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but what I was saying is that Jahan has spoken about how he kind of had to transition a little bit to getting used to playing in an NFL system, and then towards the latter half of the year was a really strong talent on the outside for the Washington Commanders. He is ready to go, um, but I, I just think it's an interesting component considering that he wasn't even fully him at that point as he felt, and then he still put up those type of numbers that you mentioned um, it's it's going to be – you can't sleep on any of the wide receivers out there. You put too much of a focus on Terry, that's where Curtis Samuel and Jahan could get you. You focus one on the other, that's how the other two could get you. It's just worth uh, – you got to keep eyes open all the way downfield, and that's also where you have to rely on a star like Buda Baker to help out his cornerback. And as Gannon mentioned on Friday when asked about the three receivers, quote, can't get the ball thrown over your head, end quote. Easier said than done. Yeah. And he also said sometimes you'll have help over the top and sometimes you won't. You will be out on an island. So 
Look, we have a lot of questions about this team, as do a lot of people. How many of those questions get answered on Sunday will be fascinating because you're not going to get all of them answered, but how many of those boxes can you check? How much can you learn from that first game, that first true test to figure out what this team has the potential to do in 2023? Yeah, and this is the week one game is where you really could set the tone for the entire year. I look at the Detroit Lions and I see how excited that team was after knocking off Kansas City on Thursday night. That is the type of momentum that a team needs to to push off into the regular season and really build off a strong start. The Cardinals, obviously the national media is going to say what they want to say about the Cardinals. And locally, they're going to say what they want to say about the Arizona Cardinals. This team, and Buda Baker alluded to it when he spoke at the press conference on Thursday, he said, we're not paying attention to any of that kind of stuff. Now, do they still hear it? I'm sure they still hear it. Everyone's still got ears. Everyone's talking about the way that they expect the Cardinals to perform. But if you start off strong in week one, regardless of a win or a loss, obviously you, you plan to go, you play the game to win. But if they put out a good effort, a good fight onto the field, they're, they're, I'm not going to count anything out for this Arizona Cardinals team. I understand the, the question marks surrounding them, but... That week one game, week one's the week of surprises, and there's a possibility. And that's what assistant head coach, special teams coordinator Jeff Rogers mentioned as one as well. That first week of the regular season, always full of surprises. For the Cardinals, that begins on Sunday, 10 a.m. kickoff from FedEx Field. Cardinals pregame coverage, 5.30 a.m. Wake up with us before kickoff on Sunday. And on that note... We will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Riolu. Football is back, Bird Gang. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.